Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the 20 Years of C327 podcast. A podcast where we've been starting to unravel some of the most convoluted and pointless secrets in the 20-year history of Suffolk band C327. As always, I'm your host, Richard Trigg, and in today's episode, I'm chatting with the super-talented sculptor of sound, C327 keyboard player, Mr. Liam Brown. Mr. Liam Brown, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Yeah. I used to hear, are we still collecting points? Collecting, <laughs> <laughs> collecting points. <laughs> no, I, I didn't really remember that story anyway. I had to be reminded of that. But apparently, yeah, I did loads of foolish stuff to uh, collect points. And in the end, the points weren't worth... Well, the points were worth fuck all and a lot of it. <laughs> I, uh, I spoke to... Um, our friend Henry about oh, it. Yeah. He remembers it well. Yeah, he elaborated a little bit, and it was um, sounded like a fun night. And I'm kind of <laughs> kind of glad I wasn't there. But um, yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, um, if you go back and listen to the episode with Johnny Leach, I think that's yeah, it's episode one. Um, you'll find out what we're talking about. Funny days. So Liam, let's go back to the very start. Your earliest memory of see through. What do you remember about the early years of the band and mm. the conception of the band or just like how we put the band together or your involvement when that when that happened? What do you remember about that? Well, I remember uh, three distinct things, really. I remember the annex, yeah. where we where you used to put the tunes together. Yeah. I remember the band going to Fuzzies in the early days to rehearse. And, yeah. I, and I remember the first gig as well. Yeah. And um, I think... Uh, in, in terms of the conception of the band, a lot of that went on in the annex. Yeah. You uh, building the tunes and um, uh, getting Johnny and Jess to do vocals on it. Yeah. And then it was kind of like a CD, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I don't know if that was a, sort of a self-titled CD or something, was it? Or Yeah, I mean, I, I, at, the, at that time, I suppose it wasn't really a band. I no, it wasn't it was a, band a band at that stage. Yeah. And, the CD became known as Raiden, Please Drive Carefully because that was, that was what was printed on the CD. That's it? right, yeah. <laughs> so I remember that. And yeah, so there was the CD of music that you'd made. Yeah. We were pissing about making other tunes as well. Yeah. Um, just getting to grips with the world of music really, wasn't it? It was, And, yeah. and we were at college as well at yeah. that kind of time. So it was all new to us and... Um, it was a little bit of new territory, really, I think, musically for, for us. It was for me. Yeah. Um, because you'd been doing power trio type music. Rock, yeah. You know, rock, just, bass, drums and guitar. But now, all of a sudden, there was this computer element. And yeah. This sort of, you can do what you want, double tra- um, multi-track it, put keyboards on. Um, you know, the core of see-through was kind of born out of that. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I remember that there was just this process of, we've got the CD, it's got you know, artificial drums and all this yeah. computer stuff on it. How do we turn it into a band? Yeah. We go into fuzzies and we get someone on drums, someone on bass and, and we do it. Yeah. And they were my early memories of it. Like, same as what Paul said, I don't remember a lot of the details. Yeah. It's strange because it is a long time ago and I, I don't remember yeah. much about it really. I don't remember, I don't overly, I only remember sort of one rehearsal at fuzzies with the band, which was like that first type of... Yeah. With Joe on drums and and Barry on bass, yeah, I only sort of remember sort of going there once. It is weird. 
and um and yeah the first gig always stays in my mind um at the seagull theater yeah. with with joe on ba- uh, joe on drums yeah. and, and barry on bass um which wasn't you know the lineup in the end was it no that was a I think that was one gig with Joe and then he left after that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think it was that one gig, um, which kind of was the start of the band. Really. I, I, it was the some it was a college thing. We had to do a performance and it was like, well, Christ, what am I going to do? And so it was like, well, I've written these songs with Johnny and Jess. Oh, okay. So, so it, like, it was a, a college-related thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, then yeah. we were like, we need to... Maybe I'll just try and see if I can do these tracks live. So that's it. We looked at sort oh, right, of okay. the rockiest ones, and then we're like, okay, well, who's gonna who's gonna be interested in playing these? And obviously, then we did the show, which I I kind of remember, but not. And then after that show, it was like, well, because we've been rehearsing, and it kind of been a little bit different from what anyone had done before within a band. It's kind of like, should we just keep rehearsing and writing and you know we did um but that first gig was was the was the reason why the band exists really and the seagull what you know kind of a cool place to start really in my for us. yeah i think you know the seagull is uh one of those special places for the band because yeah of the first gig and the fact that yourself and myself and Johnny and, and Flatty spent a lot of time in there yeah, in right. the college days yeah, you know uh, making music but also learning how to record bands like yeah. Mavis for example Mavis yeah Mavis were on the scene and I remember recording them and doing oh, my they own they were mixes. a great band they were pretty cool yeah. yeah throw down your army get yourself comfy and listen to a little bit of see through on podcast oh yeah what was your favourite venue locally, do you reckon? Well, I don't know. I I, th- I think the brewery was good because of the the amount of people we could get there yeah. and, and the vibe and it would probably go nuts there, whereas it wouldn't yeah. go quite as nuts in other venues. Um, so probably the brewery yeah. over, overall, yeah. There was something that was kind of had a community kind of... of well, a scene, yeah. Yeah, of alternative outsiders you could kind of just nip down there and probably find someone that you knew or absolutely yeah so it kind of always had a cool cool hang kind of vibe to it really um what was your what was your favorite ever see-through show well um if you know the, the one that comes to mind straight away is uh serbia okay in 2006 because how tight we were was incredible on that yeah um, when I listened back to it I was actually surprised how tight you know the keys were the keyboards were and everything was really. yeah it was you know we'd got we'd got it up to such a high standard of, you know from rehearsing a lot gigging a lot yeah being together a lot yeah uh, all those years together um, so that was that was the best one in terms of being memorable and yeah. meaning something of course, um, you were you were sitting down at that show. Yeah, was <laughs> having swollen feet, right, from sitting in the van. Yeah, and uh, I remember. Obviously, that was pretty uncomfortable and horrid for you, but I do remember the funniest thing about it was funny as well. It was a bit funny. It was funny when we went to was it a Red Cross or St John's ambulance type place? Do you remember that? Yeah, well, I had to. Um, I went to a like a medical tent or that a medical yeah, place yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. 
And um, yeah, they gave me an injection into my buttock. That's you know. right. But Johnny or one of us had said, oh, it wouldn't be funny if he has an injection in his bum. Yeah. And I think it was, it was a bit of banter and a bit of winding up about that. And then I remember you going in there and it was like something out of Only Fools and Horses or something because he was like silhouetted. You could we were outside see and he was silhouette. silhouette of you. And then you could kind of make out what was kind of going on. And it was just like that, you know, I remember just that and being then, as if that's just happened. And then uh, I think from my memory, we'd played the show. It was getting light. Yeah. It's obviously in the yeah. summer. And um, I just went in an ambulance with Paul Billing over to um, over to the hospital. Christ, you did, yeah. And the hospital was kind of um, crumbling a little bit. Yeah. It was in, you know, it was pretty shoddy. I went in there. The geezer um, could speak good English because I don't know whether he'd studied in America or something. And, he, and you know, he asked me the difference between American and English and English, English. How do you pronounce ranch? And I and I said ranch, and he went, oh yeah, because in America it would be ranch. <laughs> and so that was I remember that conversation, and then I remember having an X-ray. He said nothing's wrong with your your foot or your feet. Yeah. And then I went to um, speak to the like the receptionist type person on the way out with Paul Billing, and um, she said, right, you now now you need to give us some money for the X-ray and everything. Oh, <laughs> I no. opened up my wallet, and there was nothing in there. And I just kind of like looked at her, shrugged my shoulders, looked at Paul Billing. He said, well, I haven't got any money either. And then the woman just shouted at me, get out, get out, and pointed at the door and I just left and that was it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Did anything ever come of that? Did you have to do anything? No. And, uh, and that was that. And uh, What a show. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a good experience, you know, seeing yeah. what the old Serbian hospitals are like. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that day was pretty prolific anyhow because it was like the coming together of a lot of work that we put in and we were in that VIP bit yeah, at the top of the that, yeah. fortress and watching a bit of the World Cup or whatever it was yeah it was and the president of Serbia was there and it's kind of exciting wasn't it absolutely and um, yeah so that, that was probably the best show but other standout shows Dublin Castle I remember that being a very yeah. good show yeah just because it was in Camden I think we had a some people there I think my mate Jake Bevan was there and some people came on a coach um, and it was just an awesome venue the layout of it and everything and uh, yeah yeah so right. that would that's another memorable one I think Dublin Castle yeah and I used to like Chapperfield Gardens in Norwich when when they had bands on there that was pretty awesome oh, yeah, I think yeah. we played that maybe once or twice yeah definitely that was, yeah. That was awesome yeah that was good wasn't it yeah I think one one day at Chapperfield we did Chapperfield we packed down, got in the van, and then had another show the same day. Went at the brewery or something. In in a time where you could do two gigs in a day in a local area, now you struggle to even achieve one in a venue. You struggle to do two in a year. Yeah, I'm, I'm joking. But... Um, who was your favourite band that we ever played with, and what kind of local bands sort of do you remember having an impact on you, other than Mavis, of course? <laughs> well, yeah, let's get Mavis out of the way. Um, Dacra were good. Yeah. Dacrophilia with Ben Rouse, you know, yeah. the, the singer-songwriter um, for that band. Uh, because they had just had amazing songs. Songs the songs ridiculous, were so good. Yeah. And obviously Ben's vocal was always good. So Dacrophilia, that's got to be one of them. Um, everyone mentions from that kind of time, Crawl Blind. Yeah. But I'm not going to mention them. I'm going to mention a band with a slightly different name, Craw Daddy. Don't know if Craw you, Daddy, yeah, don't know I if remember you remember them. them. Yeah. Um, I think Dave... 
Colebrook on, right. on guitar. And I remember him kind of whipping up a bit of a whirlwind on guitar, a bit like Jimi Hendrix kind of style. And um, I remember them being a good band, kind of funky, yeah. slightly progressive. Yeah, slightly I remember them. Guitar solo -y. Yeah, brilliant. Um, other than that, Innocence or Otherwise, I quite yeah. liked. Quite we liked did them. quite a few shows then, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, they're a great band. Um, Brad plays in a band now called Prey Drive. Yes, I know that band, yeah. Yeah. Um, good band. He's a talent, that guy. Um, what see-through song do you think you have the strongest emotional connection to? Um, I like Under Milkwood. Yeah. Because there's a lot of keyboards in it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No, well, it starts with the, you know, the, the fat, yeah, yeah, yeah. the fat synth at the start, which, which we love. And in the chorus, you've got some, some more melodic piano stuff. Um, so that's a good one for me. Yeah. I've asked this question like three times now, and I keep thinking about what, what mine would be. Johnny mentioned one of the new ones, which is understandable, um, but hard to put in context because no one's heard it. Um, yeah, true. But I was thinking the other day, yesterday, what mine would be, and I think it does change, but I think for me, it's probably the good life. Yeah. And only because I now associate the good life with watching that video of the good life with us all in the in the van oh, it's, going across yeah, it's Europe. a road trip uh, video, yeah. So I think now when I hear or when we'll play the good life, I, I associate them two things. I think for me at the moment, um, that would be mine. But it's a weird question. And I think it does change probably on for everybody on mood yeah. and... Um, um, but I'm just trying to think about it. I mean, with How Many You Kiss, I think when you listen to the lyrics, you get quite emotionally involved yeah. with the story and, yeah. and the feelings and the emotions from that. So that that's definitely one. That's definitely one where the lyrics are so good. Yeah, they are. You get they? emotionally yeah. invested in it. So Yeah, Yeah, and I think some of the new stuff, the, the way Johnny's sort of taken that, uh, almost that same approach to the story in his lyrics yeah. and but sort of to another level that is I find myself when, we, when we're rehearsing the new stuff kind of forgetting what I'm doing and just listening to to them words which I don't think I've ever sort of done in see-through really it kind of just always kind of gone gone over my head a little bit but, and I suppose it helps that I think his lyrics are, are, are pretty good on this new record so oh they're fucking amazing yeah, yeah. what would be your favourite track to perform live I think um, kicking off the set with Radio N yeah that's what Paul said, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, no yeah, that's be, fine. You can have that. That must be because it's true for, for many of us then. So, yeah, I just think because of the the intro, yeah. just, there's, when you hear that intro, you know what's coming. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's got um, some cool build-ups in it. It's got um, when it's got a few drops in it, which drop yeah. really hard. And Yeah. Yeah. I, I know this is going to be a good question for you. <laughs> what is your most embarrassing moment in C3? Uh, well, it's been a life full of embarrassment and shame, <laughs> Trig. Um, and to pick one moment would be difficult. Um, I remember having a rehearsal, somehow taking my trousers off, them get the trousers getting taken out of the room. But I don't think that was see-through, was it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I think that might be a bit earlier in proceedings. Okay, it might have been a hookworm rehearsal. Um, embarrassing. Um, I made a, I made a couple of mistakes 
with with my playing, which I'm not proud of. Okay. Um. Starting uh, two for a two from the wrong key. Uh, okay. Probably quite embarrassing, but, but that, that that's my answer. Okay. Um, if we're talking about off stage, yeah, which is I think what <laughs> <laughs> I think what you're getting at. Um, I don't know. You'll have to try and remind me of some some things. I think well, to, well, going back to the the playing thing, I think my funniest memory. And I was discussing it with, with somebody the other day, actually. I, I'm not sure why, but you... It was a moment where you went to come in. You might remember. You went to come in and you raised your hands ready to play the keyboard and then the hands stayed above the keyboard and brain went into, I'm uh, just not going to press anything. <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going with it. I think that there, was, There's footage of that, isn't there? There might be. And that's why we know about it, yeah. I mean, that that's probably my, my funniest memory of you in the in the in the band in the day. Um there's another one um I wasn't too embarrassed by it to be fair but no. Um when we played at the Nelson and like had a few drinks before Nelson Nelson Street Norwich yeah. by the way. Um had a few drinks before. Um there's a really intense build up and like I shut my eyes. I was getting into the moment <laughs> and I fell fell backwards <laughs> in, uh, when it kicked in so that was quite embarrassing I suppose. Oh, looking, yeah. looking back on it but again at the time didn't care because I was in the drunken haze <laughs> that would have been a great one to have on video to, yeah uh, um, probably been a TikTok smash these days um, <laughs> what are you uh, what are you looking forward to most about see-through being back and what do you think the future might hold for, for see-through well um, you've got to be excited by the new sound that we've got yeah I was thinking about this, you know, on the drive, on the drive here. Is there much hip hop in in it now? I'm not sure if there is as, if there is as much. There probably is from Johnny's side of things. Yeah. Um, I think now what we've got is some kind of rock and roll. Right. Rap, rock and roll. I think what we've got now, and I just find that exciting because it's slightly different to what we had in the past. Because in the past yeah. we had sort of like how many you kiss or two for a two for kind of hip hop style played with you know, a heavy band, which is cool. Yeah. And we had some stuff like Shape Up and Shit Out, which is riffy, riffy heavy yeah. riffs. Um, and, and now we've got some, some more groovy riffs in some of the new stuff. Um, we've got some really interesting keyboard parts, some stuff that I'm really proud of. In yeah, there. some great bits. Um, and there's some great guitars in there as well. And uh, yeah, I just think, you know, some of the grooves and... Uh, definitely some of the lyrics in the new stuff all very exciting yeah and um yeah love the new sound don't have to try and work hard to pigeonhole ourselves yeah it's it just works at the moment yeah what do you think the um the future holds for the band well um once we've done this record um i mentioned to you the other day that we should start on the you know the 80s album yeah which is going to be very 80s lots of nice keyboards in there yeah Paul said he's excited by starting work on, on the next one it almost feels yeah. mental that we're talking about starting another record when we haven't even finished the first one but I suppose that's kind of what the last year product productivity wise has been yeah I've, you've been very productive with, with the tunes so if you keep building tunes then um, we can keep making albums yeah and uh, yeah so I'm, I'm excited to, to do this new record and yeah. then do another record in a slightly different yeah uh, style. Yeah, me too. Swoosh time! Podcast time! See-through style. How's it felt to be back in a room with everyone again? Oh, it feels great. Yeah? Um, I, th- I think there's always going to be 
the certain feeling that not that you know time hasn't passed yeah we just pick up from where we left off yeah same yeah from 2013 yeah do you think it feels different to the first time around the first time around as in back in 2001 or whatever yeah 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 definitely yeah because we're all or actually especially myself more mature these days yeah and uh, and we've all grown on our instruments as well yeah um myself yourself in particular um but the rest of the band you know on their instruments and and their voices so much more experienced so much more worldwide and yeah. informed about music and other other types of genres and stuff like that feels maybe slightly more focused now oh it's a lot more focused yeah because uh, i haven't got you know beer to distract me anymore yeah. which was my main distraction yeah um, so yeah definitely a lot more focused and the way that we're doing things now obviously the the obvious thing is that we're we're working with uh, a backing track and a, and a metronome yeah well Paul's got that in his ear yeah um, so working with a backing track is a different setup different experience definitely but is yeah I, I much prefer it personally because it makes everything nice and concise slightly more disciplined and more disciplined yeah. in terms of the tempo and, and stuff like that yeah with these new tracks the way that Johnny and I put them together we did we looked at tempo and BPM yeah a lot compared to how we'd ever done a track before mm. we were speeding things up slowing them down trying to get them just right whereas before we'd probably just bosh them out and Johnny would just go on what, whatever it was kind of thing yeah and you wouldn't have the presence of mind to actually say hang on a minute what tempo is it yeah absolutely so I suppose like now we're we're sort of playing to um, a click Johnny can really excel yeah. you know and he knows his pacing which is really important with, with some of the phrasing that he's doing on the, on the new record as well I think but um, other than that it's just great to be in a in a rehearsal room with Paul Emery again yeah <laughs> and, and you know the fantastic drummer that he is yeah absolutely um, we're about to start tracking this new record which will be our first new record in 17 years and yeah. technology has really been on our side whilst we've been writing during lockdown and stuff um, but it certainly wasn't always like that um, when we recorded stuff like the Don Steps in 2002 yeah. um, we were if you remember we were tracking drums to tape and then trying to sync up those tapes or them tracks from tape on Cubase what do you remember about being in the studio back then and, and the process of making those records in 2002 and 2003 so we did the drums at the Seagull f for the Donster yeah we did yeah okay and you mentioned tape yeah they all went down on tape well that's just amazing isn't it to, to be able to remember that far back that we were actually tracking our drums onto reel to reel tape yeah. Um, if you said that to someone, you know, a youngster musician these days, they would think that was something from the seventies. Yeah. But actually, that went, that kind of technology in the seagull was still used. Yeah. Two thousand and one, two thousand and two. Um, and we took them tapes, them tracks off the tape, and put them on Cubase, and then had to try and resync them up. And that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it wasn't ideal, and then we'd be you know we'd be plugging keyboards directly in and I don't even know what we were doing but 
I wonder if the process was as creative as as it will be now like well I think the two things are going to be similar about about then and now and that is that if you rehearse a shitload yeah or if you rehearse really well then you're going to be you know you're going to have a, a lot more of an easy time in the studio yeah it's all going to go to plan you know what you're doing uh, everyone's you know it's, it's cemented in your head so you know you know how the tune goes down yeah um, do you think you've approached the creative process yeah this was what I was going to talk about yeah um, <laughs> because back in the day I would try and play something yeah and then I'd have people like Flatty and Johnny saying well why don't you do this Liam I think you should you know try do this right. you know and people give me suggestions yeah and their input which is fair enough that's that's being in a band but um, when we were making this most recent record yeah um, obviously we're in a situation where we're all stuck at home during the lockdown and um, I was creating and coming up with ideas playing along to the tunes that you've sent me yeah. and no one else was telling me anything so yeah. it was all just my own uh, process and yeah. and my own keyboard parts without any influence from anyone telling me what I should do what I shouldn't do and I, I just found that in, and that was brilliant and I got some great great results from that yeah absolutely and um, yeah so I really enjoyed that and I think yeah I just think that's a great way of working um because it, yeah, it got it got some great results. Not that I don't want the input of the other guys in the band, because I do. But I just think you're left you left to your own devices. Left somewhat. to my own devices, and to just I think when you're trying to come up with stuff in front of other people, yeah, you know that can have an, a negative effect. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you're sat at home in the comfort of your own home, no one else about to bother you, and just try out some different keyboard parts. And I was able to and. The way I find things happen on keyboards is there's a melody somewhere and you and you play around until the melody kind of finds itself and you find the optimum thing for the track and right. yeah that's how it goes down yeah well everything sounds great so far doesn't it on, on yeah it does there's some great stuff on there from everyone really yeah what's what's your proudest or most unforgettable moment in the band so far I would have to say um 2013 Lady of the Lake okay yeah uh, very proud moment just to, to to be back on stage with with everyone and all our friends and family in, in the audience to, to come yeah. and see us and the, the buzz that was created and uh, and how good the show was yeah. you know you can see the footage online now and uh, it was an amazing show amazing buzz and one memory of it um, which I always thought was a bit like as if we were Bruce Springsteen and, and the E Street Band we all had a huddle, huddle together. I don't know. There was that's some, right. Yeah, some words of motivation from someone somewhere. Yeah, and uh, it was like, okay, boys, let's do it. And then yeah. run down this little passageway. Yeah, onto, right. the, onto the stage, and then and, yeah, and then do all it. the lights were out, weren't it? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it was it was a very proud moment. As I said, all all the friends and family in in the audience. So yeah, yeah, fantastic. I think um, yeah, that was Paul's uh, Paul's one as well. I think, um, but yeah. I think. And I said it before, but I think all them 2013 shows in their own right were kind of cool, were really crucial. Like, I, I, and I've said before, I, I loved I loved doing K-Fest. There was something yeah. really unlocal about it. I just loved it at a local festival. Um, it was and, wild. And even the, v, the VW White Noise, like having to prove yeah. 
you know, there, was, there was no one there really exactly. when we started, but by the end of it, the tent was, 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 was rammed. Well, what I always say is if there's no one in the tent or whatever, when you first start playing, don't yeah. worry because when you start playing, yeah, people will come. Don't worry about that. Yeah, and and you're right. We had to kind of uh, win over a new yeah, audience that's because right. we didn't have the security of these these uh, friends yeah. and people who would normally come to our gig. These were all just you know v, VW enthusiasts, and um, we had to to win them over. So we went from the, the tent looking pretty scarce yeah. at the start to it being full of people, yeah. all totally into it. Yeah, which was kind of cool with. Um, you know, twenty-year-old songs, almost. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, other, other proud things. It was nice to get um, a tune on vinyl. Yeah. Um, I was very proud to have that because it's kind of like a bit of a trophy, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. King, the, Kingsley and NR1. Yeah. yeah. So it's NR1 Records. It was a compilation. Kingsley runs a great thing um, on Facebook where he kind of documenting all local or local twist angler bands and musicians from I've seen some go back maybe the 60s yeah um, I can't think what it's called but um, it's a fantastic thing really it's a really cool project he's doing he just loves music and he loves East Anglia and yeah and we're a big part of that we are indeed <laughs> yeah so shout out to Kingsley um, okay so final question Liam and okay. It's a question that you brought up the other day, which I thought was fantastic. So imagine if you can create a local supergroup from just local bands from over the years. What have we got going on? Who's doing what? That's a good question. It's your question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, supergroup. Uh, you've got on vocals, yeah. Ben Rouse. Oh, yeah. Just right. because of the um, the ability, the range, yeah. you know, the whole thing. Uh, bass guitar, that's always an interesting one, isn't it? Mm. There's a lot of good bass players out there. We're going to go with Toby Butcher on bass. Toby, okay. Yeah. He's got a lot of ability on bass. Yeah. Very impressive. And I think that um, a lot of bass players kind of look to him and, and they think, wow, he does something that I just couldn't do, even though I'm a bass player. Sure. So to- Toby from One Last Laugh, yeah? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, drums well it's difficult to look beyond Paul Emery but is there anyone that we could uh, we could put on it's got to be yeah it's got to be Paul Emery on drums Paul Emery on drums yeah guitar now um, I tell you who's pretty good at guitar Matt Pescod yeah he's very good at guitar yeah so. from Cherry Wax yeah and from, from Matthew P fame yeah um, so it's looking good yeah and uh, you know if if I can't be in the supergroup, then obviously on keyboards, Henry Thomas. Okay, very good. Yeah, yep. good choice. Um, from Cherry Wax as well, yep. uh, if you're talking about years ago. And if we had to have anyone else in there, we could have another guitarist or something. Yeah, could have another guitarist. Um, I'm yeah. trying to think if there are any saxophone or trumpet players that I know, and, and there aren't any. Okay. So another guitarist. Chris Brown could be a shout. Great backing vocals. And strong rhythm guitarist. Strong rhythm yeah. guitarist. Let's get him in. Yeah, yeah, put him in. So we've got Paul Emery on drums. Yeah. Toby on bass. Yeah. Henry on keys. Yeah. Matt Pescott on guitar. Backed up with by Chris Brown on guitar and backing vocals. And Ben Rouse, front man. Sounds pretty good to me. F- fucking amazing. Yeah. So you've got, you know, uh, 
the beautiful melodies and, and songs that, that Ben writes and yeah. you know you've got the, the lovely instrumentation from people like Henry and, and Matt Pescod yeah and uh, the solid foundations of uh, Chris Brown Paul Emery and Toby love it <laughs> thanks Liam no worries it's been it's been good to to waffle on about about the good old days and uh, and the band and, and what we're doing and stuff absolutely love it we're out <laughs>